Welcome to Celebrate Poe. This is episode 203, The Telltale Verdict. This is the last episode, at least for now, of Celebrate Poe's look at the Telltale Heart. In the second part of this episode, I want to ask ChatGPT to come up with a possible sequel to The Telltale Heart. You may remember that I had a similar request in a previous episode. I believe that was episode 200, and the bot came up with a plot twist that, while it was true to Poe's story, took an interesting plot turn that was completely unexpected. Check out episode 200 with its look at the telltale heart. But getting back to ChatGPT... I wanted the AI bot to look at the story and incorporate a a verdict of not guilty by reason of insanity into uh, a retelling of Poe's work, at least the sequel. But uh, for that to happen, uh, I had to be uh, a bit more specific in what I wanted. Uh, uh, The information, actually, that I wanted AI Poe to relate and how I wanted it, you know, what plot I wanted it to use with Poe's story as a sequel. In other words, the more information the bot had, uh, the more creative AI Poe could be. But uh, before this podcast gets into an AI look at some elements of the Telltale Heart, I want to take a look at what caused Poe to write the story in the first place. Where did he get the idea? Now, I had always heard that Poe may have gotten the idea uh, from his days as a reporter, but uh, never really thought that it would be appropriate for this podcast because I didn't have any sources to back that idea up. Then I found a fascinating article regarding a judicial trial that Poe wrote called The Trial of James Wood from Alexander's Weekly Messenger, Volume 4, Number 14, April the 1st, 1840. Now, Alexander's Weekly Messenger was a newspaper founded by Charles W. Alexander in 1837, and its publication continued until November 1848. The connection between this newspaper and Edgar Allan Poe is quite significant, largely because Poe was apparently associated with the newspaper in some editorial capacity, uh, along with his duties at Burton's Gentleman's Magazine. During uh, his time at the newspaper, from December 1839 to May the 40th, eight, May 1840, Poe claimed to have solved all of the ciphers submitted to him. In other words, puzzles are code-breaking. His writings for the newspaper are considered valuable, and copies of the early issues containing Poe's material are rather scarce. Poe's contributions to the newspaper range from solving cryptograms to writing articles, criticisms, and essays. This period of his career showcases his talent for code-breaking and his versatile writing skills. 
Now, one of Poe's submissions to Alexander's, and I'm going somewhere with this, one of his submission, his submissions to Alexander's weekly messenger concerned a judicial trial where a unique plea for the first time, or one of the first times, was used in the United States. Not guilty by reason of insanity. And I'm largely basing this on Clarence S. Brigham's Edgar Allan Poe's contributions to Alexander's Weekly Messenger from April 1942 for the American Antiquarian Society, or AAS. Uh, The AAS has kindly given me permission to use the following text by Edgar Poe to which they have the rights. The trial of the unfortunate Wood for the murder of his daughter, Mrs. Sarah Ann Peake, was brought to conclusion on Friday evening last. The jury, after a a brief absence, returning a victory of not guilty on the ground of insanity. This was anticipated by everyone and occasioned no surprise. The witness for the defense, of which the most, of which the most important was Dr. Megas, for a long time the family physician of the accused, made out so clear a case of constitutional tendency to mania, if not of existing derangement itself, that but one course was left for the jury. The prosecution was conducted by Mr. Johnson himself, the Attorney General of the State, who, at the conclusion of the evidence, left the matter without argument to the jury. Judge King briefly pointed out the main points for determination and commented especially upon the question of insanity. Uh, Upon his his head, it appears to us uh, that a very material argument was strangely omitted by the counsel for the defense, an argument which, with many minds, would would have had more weight in bringing about a conviction of the prisoner's insanity than any urged in his behalf. It appears from the testimony that the conduct of Wood when purchasing his pistols at the shop of the gunsmith, was characterized by an entire self-possession, a remarkable calmness, an evenness of ma- an evenness of manner altogether foreign to his usual nervous habit. His replies were cool and without the slightest apparent trepidation. It is just possible that the defense feared to broach this striking subject, for upon a cursory view, the facts do certainly make against the accused and imply a premeditated and cold-blooded assassination. But the metaphysician or the skillful medical man would deduce from them a positive conclusion in favor of Wood. With the deep cause for agitation which he is known to have had, he could not possibly, in the supposition of his sanity, have assumed the calmness of demeanor mentioned. A nervous trepidancy would have manifested itself, if not in ordinary form, at least in an overstrained endeavor to be calm. But in the supposition of his insanity, all is natural. All is in full accordance with the well-known modes of action of the madman. The cunning of the maniac, 
a cunning which baffles that of the wisest man of sound mind, the amazing self-possession with which at times he assumes the demeanor and preserves the appearance of perfect sanity, have long been matters of comment with those who have made the subject of mania their study. The the acquittal of the accused on the ground of insanity involves his legal confinement as a madman until such time as the court satisfy themselves of his return to sound mind. We cannot believe, however, uh, that this truly unfortunate man will ever be restored to that degree of reason which would authorize his final discharge. His monomania is essentially periodical, and a perfect sanity for months or even years would scarcely be a sufficient guarantee for his subsequent conduct. A time would still come when there would be laid to his charge another, although hardly a more horrible deed of sudden violence and bloodshed. Note, the report of the trial of James Wood is distinctly by Poe. Interested in the morbid, he he brought the subject of insanity into several of his tales. The analysis of the mind of a homicidal maniac accenting the self-possession and cunning which gave the impression of sanity he brought out in the telltale heart, well, Wood's murder of his daughter, Mrs. Edward Peake, because he disapproved of her marriage, and this was on September the 30th, 1889, and a lengthy account of the affair, with a, a full report of the coroner's inquest, was printed in the public ledger of October the 1st. The trial itself was reported in the public ledger from March the 24th to 30th, 1840, the testimony sometimes running to four columns in length. So, in other words, while we're not 100% positive about the source of the characters and various dynamics in the Telltale Heart, we do know that Poe was in a position where he wrote about a murder trial where the not guilty by reason of insanity plea was used. Uh, You see, in a court of law, and I'm speaking hypothetically, although the situations are too real, are all too real, uh, the narrator of the telltale heart could potentially have used the insanity defense. And again, I'm talking about a person who didn't exist in in flesh and blood form. Uh, This defense argues that the defendant is not responsible for their actions due to a psychiatric disease at the time of the criminal act. The insanity defense uh, asserts a lack of culpability based on mental illness. The defendant admits the action but claims they shouldn't be held responsible because of a severe mental health condition. And I'm just going over these again so these are understood. In other words, a defendant could be found not guilty by reason of insanity if they were, quote, laboring under such a defect of reason from disease of the mind as to not know the nature and quality of the act he was doing, or if he did know it, that he did not know what he was doing was wrong, unquote. 
And now for that chat with the AI persona of Edgar Allan Poe using ChatGPT. Uh, but uh, first, I need to give the bots some background about my request and a little bit about what I want to get better results. My name is George Bartley, and uh, I do a podcast about the life, times, and influences of Edgar Allan Poe. Uh, this will be uh, the probably the 200th and second, or maybe third episode, and currently the podcast is dealing with possible influences or even sources for The Telltale Heart. Would you write a sequel to The Telltale Heart, taking into, an account, into account the following historical or literary facts? Uh, perhaps you want, might want to uh, uh, set this sequel to The Telltale Heart in a courtroom setting. I'll be sure to give you credit. Now, number one, uh, the not guilty by reason of insanity defense was used in the United States. Two, a case can be made that the murderer of the telltale heart was definitely insane. Three, Poe had more than a passing interest in the not guilty by reason of insanity defense because of Poe's report on the verdict of James Wood for the murder of his daughter, Mrs. Sarah Ann Peake, due to Wood's insanity. Uh, this was published by, uh, written by Poe uh, for uh, Alexander's Weekly Messenger, Volume 4, Number 14, April the 1st, 1840. Certainly, Mr. Bartley, I'd be happy to help. Here is a sequel to, to The Telltale Heart, set in a courtroom, taking into an account the historical and literary facts you provided. I call my sequel The Telltale Verdict. Well, The Telltale Verdict. Uh, by the way, Mr. Poe, I really like that title. Short and to the point. Exactly what they say you would want in a podcast episode title. Uh, with your permission, uh, Mr. Poe, may I use that title? Uh, certainly, Mr. Bartley, but why are you asking permission from an imaginary character? Or, or to be more accurate, what some might call a machine using da data to create a non-existent person modeled after a literary genius. Well, you do have a very good point there, Mr. Poe. Well, Mr. Bartley, I will continue. The, the accused, with haunted eyes staring into the abyss, stood in silence. The prosecution, with a somber tone, recounted the chilling events that unfolded beneath the floorboards, the madness that gripped the narrator, and the gruesome demise of the old man with the vulture-like eye. The evidence, as ghastly as it was, painted a picture of a mind unhinged, a soul driven to madness by an otherworldly force. As the defense took the floor, they argued a case rooted in the emerging legal concept of, quote, not guilty by reason of insanity, unquote. Uh, the attorney, with Poe's report on the James Wood case in, in hand, drew parallels between Wood's descent into madness and the defendant's apparent insanity. 
The court listened attentively as the defense wove a narrative of a tortured mind, hanted by unseen specters and compelled to commit unspeakable acts. The accused, maintaining a stoic facade, occasionally cast furtive glances towards an imaginary beating heart that only he could perceive. The defense argued that this heartbeat was not the product of a a guilty conscience, but rather a symptom of a fractured psyche. Uh, The jury, a modern-day chorus of the macabre, uh, deliberated on the fine line between sanity and madness. Their opinions seemed to sway, sway the scales of justice, tipping them toward a verdict that would forever blur the lines between reality and the fevered dreams of a tormented soul. In the end, the gavel fell, and the courtroom hushed to a silence as the judge pronounced the final verdict. Not guilty by reason of insanity. The accused was escorted away, the echoes of the beating heart lingering in the minds of those who had experienced his ravings. And so, in the shadows of a haunted courtroom, the audience was left to grapple with the question, Was justice served, or had the veil between reality and madness grown thinner, allowing the fine line between sanity and madness to influence the course of human judgment? Uh, Mr. Bartley, you may feel free to adapt or modify the story as needed for your podcast, and I appreciate any credit that you do provide. If you have any specific preferences or changes you'd like, uh, please let me know. Well, Mr. Poe, thank you very much. That, that's very good. Uh, but can, can you say a few words about the reactions of the defendant? Certainly, Mr. Bartley. Uh, as the judge uttered the fateful words, not guilty by reason of insanity, a palpable mixture of relief and confusion swept over the defendant's countenance. The accused, whose eyes had held a haunting emptiness through the trial, now registered a momentary flicker of recognition. A ghostly smile, tinged with the shadows of a tormented soul, played upon the defendant's lips. It was as if the burden of an unseen weight had been lifted, and yet a lingering anguish remained. The courtroom, still and silent, bore witness to the complex emotions etched upon the defendant's face. A portrait of someone caught between the realms of sanity and madness. In the eyes that had once reflected the abyss, there now gleamed a glimmer of understanding. Perhaps in that moment of legal absolution, the defendant comprehended the gravity of their actions and the fragility of the line that separated him from the dark recesses of the human psyche. Yet, as the gods led the accused away, the echoes of that imaginary heartbeat persisted, a haunting reminder that despite the verdict, the shadows of the tale would forever dance in the corridors of the defendant's conscience. The reaction, an enigmatic blend of relief and resignation, left those in the courtroom grappling with the unsettling question, Was the defendant truly free, or had the asylum of the mind 
become an inescapable prison. Oh, very, very good, Mr. Poe. Uh, could you elaborate on the state of mind of the defendant? Certainly, Mr. Bartley. The defendant's state of mind was a tumultuous landscape, a surreal battleground with the boundaries between reality and delusion blurred. Throughout the trial, his eyes betrayed a hinted emptiness, a gaze that seemed to peer into realms unseen by the ordinary observer. As the prosecution laid bare the macabre details of the crime, the defendant's demeanor remained stoic, an almost eerie calm enveloping them. However, beneath the surface, a storm of conflicting emotions raged. The defense painted a narrative of a fractured psyche, hanted by specters only that the accused could perceive. A heartbeat that pulsed with the cadence of madness. When the verdict was delivered and the words not guilty by reason of insanity reverberated through the courtroom, the defendant's reaction was a paradoxical mixture of relief and disorientation. A ghostly smile played on his lips, hinting at a fleeting acknowledgement of liberation from the shackles of legal culpability. Yet the eyes betrayed a lingering anguish, a recognition of the irrevocable fracture within his own mind. The defendant, escorted away by the guards, moved with a peculiar grace, as if traversing the corridors of both reality and illusion simultaneously. The beating heart, once a specter of guilt, now echoed as a haunting melody in the recesses of his consciousness. The courtroom, left in an unsettling silence, could only speculate on the true nature of the defendant's sanity. Uh, Mr. Poe, could you surmise what might have happened to the defendant after the trial, uh, possibly uh, being taken to a, a lunatic asylum, uh, using uh, technology of the time? Ah, yes, Mr. Bartley. Uh, in the aftermath of the trial, the defendant's fate took a most haunting turn. Pronounced not guilty by reason of insanity, he was escorted from the courtroom, his every step resonating with the echoes of a beating heart that only he could hear. The guards, unfamiliar with the depths of the defendant's fractured psyche, led him toward an uncertain future. The destination was a foreboding structure, an imposing edifice that loomed on the outskirts of civilization, an asylum for the insane. The term lunatic asylum encapsulated the prevailing attitudes of the time, uh, where those deemed mentally unsound were often relegated to institutions that straddled the thin line between care and commitment. As the heavy iron gates of the asylum creaked open, the defendant crossed a threshold into a world where reality and delusion coexisted in uneasy harmony. The asylum, a labyrinth, a maze of, of dimly lit corridors and echoing chambers became his new abode, a place where shadows and nightmares intertwined with the architecture of his own fractured mind. Within the confines of the asylum, the defendant became a resident of a macabre sanctuary, 
surrounded by others whose sanity had similarly unraveled. The beating heart, once an imaginary specter, now echoed in the symphony of voices that reverberated through the asylum's asylum's hallowed halls. The attendants, clad in archaic uniforms, administered treatments that straddled the boundaries of medical science and superstition. In the peculiar sanctuary, the defendant found himself a witness as well as a participant in the ongoing dance between sanity and madness. And so the defendant's life unfolded within the walls of the lunatic asylum, a captive to the echoes of his own fractured psyche. The beating heart, a constant companion, became a metronome, marking the passage of time in a world where the boundaries between reality and illusion were as fluid as the ink in a writer's quill. Oh, thank you, Mr. Poe. And thank you, Mr. Bartley, for for your attention in the previous episodes to my story, The Telltale Heart. Yes, thank you, Mr. Poe. Uh, Well, it looks like uh, that's all the time that we have for The Telltale Heart, at least for now. I say at least for now because The Telltale Heart is my favorite work by Poe, and this will definitely not be the last time Celebrate Poe looks at the story. Now, in episode 204, I want to take a very brief look at my very subjective list of Edgar Allan Poe's 10 Scariest Stories. And starting with episode 205, I will begin a much closer look at what I feel is Poe's most terrifying story. A deep dive uh, that will take up several episodes. And hint, uh, in my opinion, Poe's most horrifying story is not The Telltale Heart. Sources include The Telltale Heart by Edgar Allan Poe, the website of the Baltimore Edgar Allan Poe Society, ChatGPT 4.0, and Edgar Allan Poe's report on the trial of James Wood from Alexander Alexander's Weekly Messenger, Volume 4, number 14, April the 1st, 1840, used by permission from the American Antiquarian Society. Thank you for listening to Celebrate Poe. Thank you.